good morning, everybody. Running a few minutes late, but hopefully uh, that works for everybody. And you grant me a little bit of grace. Monday after Black Hat DEFCON, it, it, you know, we had travel yesterday. My plans got a little jacked up. I did make it home, which is really the ultimate goal if you're mission oriented. But I had some stress. For those of you who flew out of Vegas yesterday, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was pandemonium. Had to flex some of those social engineering skills, which is not my strength, but um, was able to significantly cut lines and uh, get staff at the airline to uh, serve me uh, in order to get my bags where I needed them to go. Good morning. This is episode 175 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Gerald Dozier. In the next 30 minutes, closer to 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and explaining to you contextually how you can operationalize them at your work if you're a practitioner. And I don't care if you're GRC, CISO, Blue, Red, security architecture, whatever. There's going to be juice in this lemon that we're about to squeeze out that you're going to be able to take it, take advantage of, right? And if you're looking to break in the industry and you might be like, oh, I guess this doesn't apply to me. Well, guess what? It totally applies to you because not only are you going to be asked, how do you stay informed in the field? Like, how do you stay up to date on cybersecurity? Like, that's a guaranteed interview question. Not only can you say this, but you'll be able to pull from any one of the stories that we talk about uh, and be able to, like, give a deeper, richer uh, explanation. And I can tell you, I can't promise you a job, obviously, but I can tell you I have had multiple people reach out to me and say that the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing was integral and them getting the job, uh, just crushing it in an interview. In fact, it almost gives you a position of power because now you're you're like not only are you dominating the interview, but you can feel a little bit more comfortable like interviewing this company too. See if they're a good fit for me. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, pointing to him right here. It's been a minute since I've been in the studio, so I feel a little I don't know, a little all over the place, but I want to say thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions for being one of the stream's sponsors. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data, no good for business, and derailed your business operations, also no good for business. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack, and more importantly to you and your boss, get your business back on track. I say it every day, guys. I mean it. Barricade, they deal with like real bad stuff, man. So if you're having the worst day of your life from a ransomware incident, you want to have somebody who's been there a million times to help you know walk you through it and understand what's going on. And typically, you want to talk to those people before you get punched in the mouth so you have a plan on how to execute. So consider BarricadeCyber.com for just a, a quick conversation, a phone call, whatever. See if it's a good fit. I do want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like CISSP, GIAC, up to 12 credits, uh, CISA, SISM, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth solid half a CPE. You might be able to make the argument a full CPE, but we're going to get CPEs coming out the ears. So there's no point in like min mincing words about how many CPEs it is. Half a CPE is fine because if you're coming on the regular, you're going to get enough CPEs for your annual and your triannual requirements that you're going to be able to like give some away and be like, I, I don't need these. You can't give them away, but trust me. Okay, just make sure that the half a CPE or the two and a half if you're here for the week or the 10 if you're here for a month, make sure you're saying what's up in chat, okay? So Carrie is saying what's up in chat. Jonathan Casanova, love that. Saying what's up. Casually Joseph's here. Professor Black Ops, my man. Fiona, all of these people, Matthew Necci, they're saying hi. This is called auditable evidence. It's like when the teacher back in grade school is like, Jerry, and you're like, here, right? It's, it's evidence that you're here. This is the final piece that if an auditor was to push back and say, oh, A, I don't know what this is. B, you weren't there. You could say, okay, here is a link to one of many briefings. Here's where I said what's up. And check out the briefing. Like It's absolutely appropriate. It is industry news knowledge. It's totally on brand. It's not kind of, you're not making some weird um, you know, leap of faith that this, that this stream is worth the CPE. So make sure that's what you do. Also, uh, if you're live, that's you know what you got to do. So thank you for being here. I see 107 of us just on the Simply Cyber YouTube stream right now. Much love, much appreciated uh, that you're here. If you are watching on replay, you do have to, you know, you don't have to, but strongly recommend you say, 
uh, what's up in chat. Or if you want, you can use the always favorite hashtag team replay as your comment. Uh, band with that, you know, Team Edward, Team, um, I don't know. <laughs> I know Team Edward. I'm not, I didn't read Twilight or the movies or anything, but I know it's like Team Team Jacob, maybe? Whatever. It's like, it's like one of those things. Not that we're all on the same team here, but Team Replay, they've got their own jam. Yep, hashtag Team Live. Eric Vasquez knows which side of the fence he's standing on. Anyways, uh, definitely appreciate it. Now, real quick, y'all, if you want to jump right to the news, if you are on hashtag Team Replay, you have the benefit of time travel like an X-Man. You can grab the slider, pull it to the right. You can hit the plus 30 second thing a couple times if you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice. So feel free to jump into that, get right into the news. We'll do it in about 90 seconds, but for the next 90 seconds, 120 seconds or so, I am going to be welcoming all of you into chat, thanking you, and uh, p- plunging the French press. This morning was, um, you know, obviously I was a few minutes late. All of, all of you are well aware of that. So I didn't get a chance to get into the coffee. I was I was moving. I was on the move. So uh, I'm going to pour my coffee and say what's up. Good morning, Elroy. Hey, guys, the Simply Cyber Community Meetup on Saturday at Beer Park was awesome. There was probably, I'd say like 15, 15 people there, maybe 15, 20 people. Um, we had a good faction, great conversation. I got to um, meet in person some people that I've been talking with for a while, like BSEC and Basecase. Uh, really appreciate that I got to meet some new people, right? So Ko Ken, I talked to him online uh, from time to time, um, but got to you know put a face to the name. Um, Christina hadn't met her at all, hadn't really talked to her. She came by, very cool. Gave some good recommendations for the uh, the Vegas uh, not tourist traps, right? She knows she knows the restaurants and stuff like that. So, anyways, long story short, it was a success. I look forward to another community meetup at the furthest. Uh, next year at Black Hat DefCon, uh, at the shortest, maybe at Wild West Hackenfest, since I'm I'm gonna be going out there. Although I wouldn't, Wild West Hackenfest is a smaller con, um, but I'll be there. I know a couple other will be. So, um, got, I had a great dinner with uh, Eric Basu of World of Haiku. Uh, he actually, he and I actually talked about uh, doing some some live streaming of some uh, like beta, some like unreleased stuff. Uh, and I told her to be interested in that. So if you guys are interested in seeing some like unreleased kind of world of haiku pro type stuff, let me know. Um, and I'll get a little bit more formal about how I do my live streams. Cause with the world of haiku, I was just kind of like two days out or going live immediately. Um, so Brian Woods, good to see you. Hey, Jake. Good. Uh, hey, let's see if the sounder works. Oh yeah. That sound. I could hear it in my ears. I hope you guys heard it in yours. Hey, Jake Rice starting as a sec analyst on August 31st. My man. Love it. Love it. Love it. Do I have a, um, what would be a good, um, I didn't update my, uh, I didn't update my, um, no. Mario coins. There you go. Hey, Miss Julian. Oh, you're at Sands Differ Summit. Awesome. Awesome. Miss Julian. Enjoy that. That's a really good one. Awesome. Hey, Tom Bishop. Hey, Vladimir. Mark Schrader. Love the uh, love the post you're sending me, Mark. I've been looking at those. Thank you. Oh boy, BSEC. I haven't looked at the today's headlines, so let's. We'll hope. I did see something about 9,000 VNC servers getting compromised, which I don't know why they were compromised yet, but I do have feelings about um, remote access opening the internet. Pretty strong feelings about that. So we'll see how it is. Also, final thing before we dive in. Okay, this I promise this is the final thing, and then we're going to get right into it. Hey, James McQuiggan, good to see you. Going to be working with him. He's coming on stream as a guest pretty soon. Jack Scott. Jax, I owe you that item you requested. I will send that to you. Hey, San Antonio's in the house. Big Texas. Got to spend a little bit of time in Big Texas. So, okay. All right, so final thing, guys. I Remember, I, I had teased that I'm going to be sending out uh, a weekly... Uh, like email, it's a newsletter, but it's not really a newsletter, a weekly email of like uh, the top stories from the, the cyber threat briefing. And I had some ideas and stuff, but we actually discussed it at the uh, summit of uh, summit at the, at the meetup. And uh, BSEC gave me some great, great feedback. Uh, Base gave some great feedback. Like, like we had some conversations around it, and I've actually got a, a cooler idea. So I'm working on it this week. I'm going to have a draft sent out to a couple uh, beta testers, for lack of a better term, uh, to get some feedback on initial, and I'm hoping to launch this thing 
maybe this Friday, if not definitely the following week. And real quick, the, the current uh, mode is you'll get an email in your inbox on Monday morning and it'll be about the, the stories from the previous week, but it's exclusively, hey, here is what I think the top, Jerry thinks the top story is or top a couple stories if it really matters, but at least here's the top story that you need um, to tell your end users about and here's how you would tell them. Here's a top story for your peers, like your professional development, like you should be kind of, John or make sure that like when you're having like water cooler talk with your, your group that they know about this. And then here is one that you need for your executives, usually like either macro picture or financials, so, something that you might be able to operationalize to get budget. And that's the deal. It's basically a curation of top stories, but then I tell you what audience is appropriate. So you can really just take it and operationalize it really, really quickly. I'm super pumped about that. If you have thoughts on that, uh, let me know. If you want to get in on that email, uh, right now, I think I'm just going to blast it to the whole email list that I've accumulated. So if you already got those newsletters last week that I was kind of testing out, you're on it. If not, go to simplycyber.io. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see like a little sign up form. I'm super pumped. I think this is going to uh, have wicked value for everybody. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Let's let's hop into the news. I know I'm running a couple. It's already 820, so we're going to expedite this, okay? Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, August 15th, 2022. Ukraine's cyber chief makes a surprise visit to Black Hat. Ukraine's lead cybersecurity official, Viktor Zora, made an unannounced visit to Black Hat in Las Vegas last week, where he painted a bleak picture of the state of cyber warfare and the country's conflict with Russia. Zora noted that cyber incidents in Ukraine have tripled since February when Russia invaded. Zora cited DDoS attacks that took many of Ukraine's government agencies offline, as well as the discovery of Indestroyer 2 malware, the apparent successor to Indestroyer, which enabled takeover of electrical substation software, power blackouts, and equipment damage. Additionally, six significant new strains of data-wiping malware have been identified this year. Zora underscored the significance and severity of Russia's cyber operations against Ukraine, stating, quote, This is perhaps the biggest challenge since World War II for the world, and it continues to be completely new in cyberspace, end quote. Yeah, well, you know what? It is surprising who will show up uh, at Black Hat, who you'll run into. I did not know this. Uh, there was no buzz going around, at least in the circles I was running in around this. But I do think that this is good. If you're going to pick one industry conference to go to um i mean i there is a black hat europe um so i mean that would have been fine too but uh black hat in vegas uh is really one of the biggest conferences so for the ukrainian cyber chief zora to come out there and have a conversation he's definitely doing it to raise awareness um i don't know you could like i could envision um you know this this call to arms for the ukrainian it army this kind of crowdsourced uh cyber defense team that doesn't care about international background or anything like that uh kind of being a subtle play on that as well in order to um get attention and stuff but i feel like if you were going to get involved with um ukrainians it army you would have done it already since that call to action was like in april of, uh of 22 which is uh four months ago right this this russian ukrainian conflict is definitely um you know it came on hot like a hot shock and awe thing at the beginning but this is a prolonged effort uh I do agree, guys. You know, I had some thoughts about cyber war and cyber, you know, uh, weapons being the next world war, right? We talked about like digital Pearl Harbor, right? There's been all these like uh, theoretical discussions around around what the next world war is going to look like. Well, guess what? This is the next world war. And it is very much a blend of cyber and kinetic warfare. And I, I would argue that this is a pretty good indication of what it will look like simply because Russia is a first world legit cyber war uh power okay so if this is how they're doing it chances are it makes sense from a uh, military strategic perspective in order to combine this kinetic and cyber thing now the one thing that they're talking about they're getting ddosed obviously when you're depending on you know networks and computers for communication and logistics and and all sorts of things 
um, you are at a, a military disadvantage if you if you don't have access to those resources. So they are getting DOS like that. The one thing that they also do mention that's worth noting, it hasn't turned into a problem yet on the global stage, but one can easily see um, a weapon getting out or having missed scoped and sliding. Like classic example would be not Petya, where not Petya was it's. This is alleged because I don't I don't know 100% if it was ever 100% confirmed, but allegedly Russia made NotPetya, right? I think it was APT-29, made NotPetya. It was a wiper. It was designed to screw up Ukraine. They pushed it through an accounting software, like think, you know, Ukrainian QuickBooks or whatever. But everybody who used it, including non-Ukrainian people, got hit with NotPetya. Maersk, famously, a major, major logistics company. You see their boats everywhere. They got wiped out almost completely, uh, turned into a billion-dollar lawsuit. So the, the spillover, the collateral damage from cyber weapons can move much more quickly and have a wider range of impact. Uh, and that's one of the key things that you really need to be mindful of. And you just hope, you just hope that the people who are pushing the red button of launching a cyber weapon... Um, are being mindful of the global implications and not wanting to legitimately, you know, start like a larger world war. Okay. Kilnet claims to have hacked Lockheed Martin. The Moscow Times has reported that the pro-Russia Kilnet group is claiming a responsibility for a recent cyber attack on aerospace and defense giant Lockheed Martin. Kilnet posted a video on Telegram claiming to have stolen the personal information of Lockheed Martin employees, including names, email addresses, phone numbers, and pictures. Kilnet also shared messages in Russian stating, quote, If you have nothing to do, you can email Lockheed Martin terrorists. Photos and videos of the consequences of their manufactured weapons. Let them realize what they create and what they contribute to, end quote. Lockheed Martin is aware of Kilnet's claims, but has yet to comment on them. Okay, so this isn't great. Um, a couple couple things here. One, um, Russia or a this lock Killnet group uh, hacks Lockheed. Now Lockheed Martin is a massive, massive company, right? So to say they hacked them, I mean, did they? I and again, uh, this is like me shooting from the hip because I I don't see these stories in advance. Did they hack Lockheed Martin's corporate back end and like the executives? Probably not. Like to say hack Lockheed Martin, th there are many divisions of Lockheed Martin. There are many, you know, frankly, like professionals who work at Lockheed Martin that are deployed into different areas, right? So like you could hack a laptop, right? You, I, I'm sure it was much more than hacking a laptop, but I don't know what they got, right? So, okay, so that's the first thing. Second of all, Lockheed Martin, they are heavily involved in like national security. They do lots of stuff, right? They do FISMA auditing, but they also do... Um, national security, like drone programs and stuff like that, UAV programs. So, um, you know, depending on what they got, it could be uh, a big problem. Now, I do want to point out, like, well, real quick, when we talk CMMC, if you guys are familiar with CMMC, like the, you know, CMMC is like this new security standard, essentially, for private contract or private businesses that do business with the government. It, it's gone through many lives, right? It was like Diacap or... Um, before Diacap, there was one, I can't remember the name. It was an acronym though, of course, uh, like Diacap, then FISMA, and then 800-171. And then like these things have kind of evolved over time. Long story short, different levels for different level of need are going to be applied at the FISMA, uh, CMMC level, levels one, two, and three in this newest iteration of CMMC 2.0. Lockheed Martin is someone who would be like CMMC level three, okay, which is like the highest most involved, like think top secret and stuff like that. So my TLDR on this one, like if you look at Lockheed Martin, they're definitely going to send out some type of communication around that. This just be mindful. Um, again, it's, it's hard to know if this is like Carl's laptop getting hacked or if this is S3 bucket exposed to the internet, right? Like the blame, the onus goes somewhere else. Uh, but it is important to note. And um, what's his face? Chris Rock kind of pointed this out when he came on as a guest the other day. They, this Russian killnet group, you know, they say, if you get bored, if you have nothing to do, you can email Lockheed Martin terrorists, okay? You got to remember people, like, per, whether you're a patriot or you're a terrorist, 
is all in the perspective of the person observing, right? It's like your actions, it's not like, oh, this action is a terrorist action. This action is a patriot action or, um, you know, uh, uh, um, oh God, there's a word for it. But, um, but basically, like if you do something bad, like it could be seen as like, oh, really good. You're defending our country. You're doing the right thing. But the people who you're doing it to are going to be like, oh my God, you're terrorists. Like you're, you're doing horrible stuff. So it's all about perspective. Obviously, Killnet has their perspective on this. We, at least I as an American, have my perspective on this. But it's all perspective. It's not about the action. It's about the perspective, right? So, all right. Not good. Hopefully, hopefully national security implications aren't involved. Starlink successfully hacked using $25 mod chip. Belgian researcher Leonard Wouters revealed at Black Hat how he successfully hacked SpaceX's Starlink satellite-based internet oh system. Wouters created a custom board or mod chip using a Raspberry Pi microcontroller, flash storage, electronic switches, and a voltage regulator, which he then attached to a Starlink dish. Using his $25 rig, Wooters leveraged a voltage fault injection attack to gain root access on a Starlink user terminal, which enabled execution of arbitrary code on the Starlink network. Because the glitch exists on the ROM bootloader that's burned into the system chip, an update cannot be deployed to fix the issue. Wooters disclosed the bug to SpaceX through its bug bounty program before disclosing it publicly. SpaceX issued a response, commending Wooters on his finding and inviting security researchers to bring on the bugs. SpaceX also assured that Starlink's defense-in-depth security approach limits the impact of the issue on their network and users. All right, so this is really cool. Um, I uh, So here, I'm going to drop this in chat. Um, Where's my chat? Chat, 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 chat. So here are the slides from DEF CON if you're interested in this. Um, in the slides. I love it when the researchers drop the slides. Chances are that they'll be, um, this video will be online if you want to uh, watch it like in a couple weeks, like um, Black Hat's really good about that. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a classic DEF CON. This is a classic DEF CON talk, right? Uh, everybody knows Starlink. The guy is able to dump firmware, um, which if you're into like hardware hacking and stuff like that, being able to dump firmware is a great starting point. Uh, if you want to get into like some security research, IOT, uh, go buy a webcam, like a crappy one, and you can dump the firmware. Use an executable like Binwalk or something like that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. This dude's able to, the, 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 the satellite dish that people pop up in order to connect to the Starlink, uh, he was able to execute arbitrary code on it. Okay. Um, I would say like, this is interesting, but this is almost like, this is as close to like academic research as you're going to get, uh, inside of, uh, you know, DEF CON or inside of our industry from a hacking, hacking all the things kind of perspective. Um, yeah, you can run arbitrary code, but I don't know if there's any like practical application, uh, from an attacker perspective, uh, in order to do it. Cause I don't think you like, if you like connect to a Starlink, um, machine, like or the Starlink network that you'd be able to push code and execute on this way. I might be wrong. Again, I'm kind of just shooting from the hip. But uh, yeah, so the hack in question is a mod chip with an RP2040 and a MOSFET. So like it, to me, this is a hardware hack, right? Like he needs access to the hardware of the device in order to get it to execute arbitrary code. But like if you're if you're already able to get inside the dish and get on the hardware. I guess maybe from an espionage perspective, you could, um, okay, so this is a practical use case, right? If you're able to get in, Ukraine is using Starlink right now because they're dealing with all the network. Maybe you get in, maybe you get physical access, maybe you put a mod chip on, and then you start uh, either manipulating data in transit or you are siphoning it off, right? So your espionage, uh, I could see that as a use case, but again, you'd have to get physical access. I don't know where these these dishes are actually set up. If they're just on rooftops, so you could access them uh, very quietly from a from a you know special ops perspective. Uh, but it's cool. It's very cool, and obviously because it's Starlink, um, it's very newsworthy uh, because Starlink and Elon and everything like that is uh, front front page news. So really, really nice piece of work. Good on the researcher. Leonard Wooters uh, for his work on this one. Very cool. 
Over 9,000 VNC servers exposed online without a password. Researchers from Cybel have discovered at least 9,000 internet-exposed VNC endpoints that can be accessed without authentication. Making matters worse, the researchers were able to link some exposed VNC instances to industrial control systems, which should never be exposed to the internet. For example, the researchers found one exposed VNC server led to a pump controller on a remote SCADA system in an undisclosed manufacturing plant. Most VNC exposures were located in China and Sweden, followed closely by the U.S., Spain, and Brazil. The researchers cited hacker forums and telemetry data to highlight the popularity of VNC weaknesses among hackers. VNC admins are advised to never expose VNC servers directly to the Internet without at least placing them behind a VPN. Okay, and hold on. Oh, wait, I, I won't be able to do this because I have to log into my, my password vault. I was going to log into Shodan, right? Shodan.io. If you don't know Shodan, go to Shodan.io, the website right now. It's, it's an absolute bookmark for anybody in the cybersecurity realm. Uh, Shodan basically scans the internet every day looking for opening ports um, on IP addresses, and then they catalog what ports are there, and then they start mapping it. Like VNC. Now, okay, so check it out. Yesterday, we could have gone... And on Shodan, or two weeks ago, we could have gone on Shodan and looked for all the open VNC servers. So that's not that's not a big deal, okay? What's what's a big deal is that someone was like, oh hey, like let me go one step deeper and actually kind of do some aggregated reporting on this. Just so we all understand, VNC, I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it's remote access, right? It's a full remote access. Um, so say you are going to Black Hat. Okay, let's say BSEC, we're going to throw you in here. BSEC, he runs, uh, he, he, BSEC is the nerve center for his company as far as like networking and security and all these other things, right? So BHAT's going to Black Hat next, uh, this past week. He's going to be out there all week. Uh, he knows he's going to get a call from Carl because Carl's like, oh, I just need you, I need you to always help me here. So BSEC's like, oh my God. All right, so what I'll do is I'll just throw up a quick VNC server and I'll be able to remote in. Now, BSEC wouldn't do this next part because BSEC's smart, but okay, but he doesn't secure it. It's accessible to the internet, but don't worry, don't worry. I use a really complicated password or don't worry, don't worry. I use certificates for authentication. No one's going to be able to log into my VNC server, okay? Well, he does it. Let's say he sets it up with certificates, but then he also forgets to like disable an account or something like that without a password. People able to log in. Misconfigured VNC servers. Trust me, nobody is setting up a VNC server. Expo well, most people aren't setting up a VNC server exposed to the internet without a password knowingly, right? Like it's 2022. You have to be a complete idiot in order to extend up a remote access point into your network and not have a username and password at minimum. I don't even care if it's a crappy one. You shouldn't do that. But dude, without a password, come on. What do, what do you what are we doing? Is this like it's your first day? If it's your first day, why are you putting a VNC server up on the network? You should not be doing that. You should be asking where's the where's the water cooler in the bathrooms. Okay? So <clears throat> 9,000 servers. Okay. It gets worse because the researcher went on to actually map out where some of these 9,000 servers were and of course, there's ICS, there's water pump stations. <clears throat> You can log right into these things. Now, it doesn't mean that you're able to uh, manipulate the HMIs or, or, you know, the PLCs or whatever at these, in, at these ICS um, industrial control systems because they may have additional levels of control on them. But guys, that would mean that you're one step closer. You're in if you wanted to start causing harm and damage. And by the way, chances are those ICS things that do have username and passwords, you can just Google whatever the make and model is that would typically be like an in about section or at the bottom, like uh, there'd be configuration profile numbers and stuff, and then use the username, <clears throat> default username and password um, because a lot of times they don't change those. This is one of those blends, man, where I like ICS specifically, um, there's a lot going on. There's like remote stations, there's all these things. Uh, and if you can remote into them using VNC, which by the way, VNC, <clears throat> It's like remote access, but it looks like you're sitting right at the computer. It's not like it's not like OneDrive where you're accessing files 
somewhere else, it's literally like you're sitting at the console of the computer you just remoted into, which is why bad guys use it all the time. Cause like you're there. <clears throat> there is a legitimate use case, right? There's legit use case for remote access. You would want to go there. The, <clears throat> like the substations or something like that. The problem is, the problem is, guys, that you really shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be doing VNC on the open internet, right? You should have VPN, IPsec tunnels, something that kind of makes it so those are not internet facing. The fact that there's no uh, passwords on these accounts is absurd and ridiculous. <clears throat> so hopefully, I guess here's the here's the call to action for folks, right? Here's the call to action. Yeah, exactly, BSEC. Whether it's VNC Team Viewer, log me in, RDP, I don't care. If it's open to the internet, that means that A, anyone on the internet can access it, right? So that's a huge attack surface. And two, within the first hour, I guarantee you it's been found, okay? Like we've done honeypots on the channel before and shown that like within minutes, minutes, it, it's getting scanned and hit, right? Because people have scanners that are running all over the internet looking for all of these things. So long story short, if you do, next time you're in your IT meeting, right? Or um, talking to the ICS people, like the, the field engineers, tip, honestly, I would, I would, the engineers or management try to get into one of their meetings. Uh, and I'll tell you about that in one second. And just say, hey guys, if you're if you're remotely accessing things or if vendors, right? Like let's say Schneider's electric, um, remotely coming into your environment because that's the arrangement that they have with you from a vendor uh, maintenance perspective. Make sure that those are not open to the internet or that they, how are the authentication handled? And then use this story. Be like, guys, you okay, use this story and then Google Florida wastewater treatment plant um, remote attack or something like that, right? This will actually be the, um, how you can tie it all together. This happened last year, wastewater, uh, cyber attack, VNC. Okay. Here, I'm going to drop this in chat. This was in February of 21. This will be the final, like many of you know this and you can find a different story. If you don't like, this is the first one that came up for, for me, right? So it's, it looks like it's a vendor site, but here we go. So I just dropped this link in chat. Guys, if you say, listen, Everybody, if we're remotely accessing industrial control stuff, I get it. It's a pain in the ass to have four hours to go flip a switch or something like that. That's fine, Carl. Here's the thing. We need to make sure no one else can log into it. Here is a story of 9,000 VNC servers open to the internet. We don't want that. Here is a story of how last year a threat actor logged into one of these VNC things and was, was able to manipulate the lie concentrate they didn't, but they could have manipulated the lie concentrate in the water being treated and absolutely killed uh, citizens who would have been drinking the contaminated water. So there are real world implications. Don't have unex like don't have exposed VNC remote access points that don't have passwords. Like period, end of story. Okay, like if you tie all that together, nobody is going to push back on you. Even the person who set it up, right? Yeah, it will be inconvenient for them, but when you show them this real-world implications, they will fix it, I guarantee you. And it doesn't matter that management's going to tell them to fix it. They will fix it because they're going to feel an onus of not wanting to be the person responsible for bringing down something or causing um, material harm to humans, okay? Mercy! All right, enough of that. Let's, let's keep rolling. Remote access, man. Remote access pisses me off. Like, I get it. Remote access is awesome. It's awesome, right? But do it in a controlled fashion. Like there is a level of, like there's a level of effort you have to put in. You don't just click the executable and install and move on. Now we'd like to thank this week's episode. All right, sponsor, hold on one second. I'm sorry, I, I didn't even set that up. All right, let's let's do a minute to um, uh, have Cisco Series get the sponsors paid. I'm, like, I'm all flipped out. I'm gonna have a cup of coffee here. Hold on. Identify, track, respond, and remediate issues and incidents from your various GRC workflows with Six Clicks. With an issue submission form, Six Clicks makes it easy and efficient for employees to submit incidents directly to an incident management team for triaging and response. Use the built-in incident response playbooks or your own to standardize incident response across the organization. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. That's the number six, C-L-I-C-K-S dot com slash CISO series.
Zeppelin ransomware resurfaces with new encryption tactics. CISA and the FBI have issued a warning of the resurgence of Zeppelin ransomware, which is now employing new encryption tactics. Threat actors are exploiting remote desktop protocol, sonic wall firewall vulnerabilities, and previously used phishing campaigns to deploy the new malware. Zeppelin appears to be applying multiple layers of encryption to their victims' networks, requiring several unique decryption keys to restore their data. Cyber attacks using the new version of Zeppelin are also much more targeted, first taking aim at tech and healthcare companies in Europe and the U.S. Okay, so and now it's time for. <clears throat> All right, so again, I wasn't, I didn't hear the first half because I had to find a story because everybody in the cousin has a paywall now. Uh, like just running these advertisements on the side isn't enough anymore. You've got to, you've got to like. It's annoying. And and for what it's worth, normally I watch these little commercials and crap before the stream starts. Uh, so you guys don't have to do that. But um, obviously I was running late today. Okay, so this Zeppelin malware, ransomware. Um, I'm looking at TTPs right now. They exploit RDP connections to sonic firewalls for initial access, as well as using phishing. Okay, so guys, most times when threat actors get access to your environment, if they're gonna do ransomware, they throw a fish in, a couple fishes, they get access to one box. Maybe they drop something like famously a good example is Emotet. Emotet then pulls down something like TrickBot uh, that does info stealing, etc. They start lateral moving. They start mapping your network out. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Then they drop the malware, uh, excuse me, ransomware uh, like Ryuk and wait, 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 execute, <laughs> done. They win, you lose, etc. Zeppelin, no different, except they are doing um, a little bit of more advanced uh attacking still they're using phishing phishing is the number one attack vector i don't care i don't care how sick and sophisticated you are from a cyber capability there's no reason for you to pull out like your wicked special 50 cal super sniper rifle um you know if if like the door's unlocked you just walk up and open the door right you don't have to like blow the door handle off the door it's literally unlocked just walk through it okay threat actors all day long are gonna not use their sick zero days if you will to, to take this to the extreme if they can just email carl tickets to kick off to the you know nfl season opener and carl's like oh yeah gotta 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 get it gotta get it and then like carl's just pwned okay so they're, they're using that but they are using uh god rdp here it is they're exploiting RDP connections just like VNC open to the internet with no passwords or sonic wall firewall vulnerabilities. So they have known vulnerabilities of the tech stack and they're able to exploit, punch through, compromise that device. Now they have an internal foothold and they're able to, uh, again, laterally move. Zeppelin is a little bit more sophisticated in that they... they it says in the story that they spend weeks enumerating the client network. They're definitely... Um, in the world of ransomware, I feel, and someone who works in this more like Eric Taylor, um, if you're around and you have a thought on this, drop it in chat, but like there's a risk and reward. Once you get in, right, the clock is ticking. You obviously want to establish persistence as a threat actor so you can get back in easier, but you could trip an alarm. You could knock an EDR over. You could do a million different things, right? And then you get discovered, incident response gets activated, and now you've lost, right so you could punch in really quick ransomware really quick and really you know be sure that you've ransomware them before they're able to detect you and now maybe you get some money or extend the timeline you can move around you can infect more machines you can ransomware several boxes and definitely have a higher chance of getting paid out because they can't just like take that machine offline and rebuild it your entire computer network is effed up right so it's risk and reward, okay? Um, they're doing multiple layers of encryption, which actually seems like a pain in the butt. Um, oh, BSEC, you're funny. I love it. Um, listen, it's a pain in the butt, multiple levels of encryption. You have to remember that there is a level of effort on the threat actor side in order to help, which is such a gross word, but help the victims unlock their stuff. And ideally, some of these threat actors actually have it automated where like bots will... Uh, get the transaction, confirm the money, and then auto automatically send the key to the victim. With multiple layers of decryption, there's more keys, obviously. There's more complexity. Victims may be having challenges on which key goes to what part for decryption, all these other things. Um, so I, I, to, honestly, I don't know why Zeppelin's going through the multiple layers of uh, decryption unless they experience some type of issue where 
a, a decryptor was made and one of their victims was able to decrypt without paying. It just seems like, I don't know, a lot of effort. So, yeah. <clears throat> so there's, I guess the TLDR here is educate your end user about phishing and make sure that you, if you're running Sonic Firewall, that you keep it uh, updated and clean from a configuration perspective, right? So least service, least, least, um, what is it? Oh my God. There's, oh my God, my brain's not working, guys. There's two controls in our world. One is like giving people least privilege, right? So access to only what you actually need. And then there's one where you configure devices to only have the services that they need running, running instead of just like, you know, <clears throat> like like Sizzler's buffet where it's like everything's running. Least, least priv, is that least priv? No, yeah, I guess zero trust. Zero trust is the, the more the more newer term for it, but <clears throat> uh, it's in NIST 53. I, I can't think of it right now, but it's like, um, whatever. Anyways, long story short, if you have, here's, here's the, here's the TLDR. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So then thanks, Eric. Yeah. It is least privileged, I suppose, um, for the, on, on the technology side. Okay. Um, here's the TLDR. This is Zeppelin ransomware today. It's going to be McQuiggan, you know, malware next week. It's going to be BSEG bootloader in three weeks. The TLDR is, guys, they get in through phishing and they get in through uh, vulnerable software. You know what basic fundamental information security is? Security awareness, configuration management. It's not sexy, right? There's no really cool InfoSec shirt. You're going to get a black hat that says like, you know, <laughs> basic fundamentals is still cool. Although maybe I should make that shirt. Guys, it's basic. It's basic. Blocking and tackling, guys. If you do the fundamentals, you're way less likely to get compromised. You're not 100% guaranteed not to get compromised, but it's called fundamentals for a reason. Last week's ransomware roundup. Unfortunately, last week was a very busy week for ransomware attacks, including attacks against Cisco and a Danish 7-Eleven, which we covered on Cybersecurity Headlines. Other attacks included ISTA International and Advanced MSP, causing an outage for the UK's NHS. Researchers were also keeping busy tracking ransomware gang movements to call back social engineering tactics and Cuba ransomware using new remote access Trojan malware. Finally, last week saw the U.S. State Department offering a reward of up to $10 million for information helping to unveil Conti ransomware gang members. Tornado. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a week, right? It's, it's like every other week. I do appreciate this weekly ransomware roundup, guys. This should be a macro indicator. The fact that there's weekly rounds up of ransomware, this should be a macro indicator that like ransomware is a real systemic problem. And we, we all know this, but like this, this right here, the fact that this is roundups, and this is why I just said with the Zeppelin ransomware, it's, it's Zeppelin this week. It's McQuiggan next week. It's BSEC the third, like, or Joel Belton's ice cream. You know, it's it, when the winter comes, they go rogue and become ransomware threat operators. It's just, it, it's just another uh, variation of it. But if you have the fundamental defenses in place for both protecting from ransomware and more importantly, reco like recovering from ransomware, you don't need to detect ransomware. The threat actors do that part of the uh, NIST CSF for you. Thank you uh, for doing 20% of the program threat actors. So, you have to be able to understand that these things are going to happen in whatever form or factor it looks like, but your ability to prevent the impact uh, and then recover uh, gracefully uh, is really what the job is at this point. You can use these ransomware uh, roundups, you know, bookmark them or whatever. You can use them if you're looking to put like a little awareness training together for executives around whatever. If, if the insurance policy comes in for renewal and it's 4X more because you guys don't have MFA, um, you can use these stories to say, this is why they are going up 4X, although the insurance company, I'm sure, will tell you. Uh, but guys, if we, you know, if we invest 80 grand in MFA, actually, th th I've done this, okay? So this is, this is like a pro tip for like people who are kind of like mid to senior level practitioners or CISOs if you're out there. This is a really um, effective thing, right? So when the insurance comes in and the insurance goes up to Forex, like let's say your your policy goes up to like 250 grand a year, okay? And you were paying, let's say, 
a hundred grand. Okay. So now you got this Delta 150. CFO is going to be like, well, really the CISO should be asking this. The CIO will definitely want to know this. Why has it gone up 150 grand? What the hell? And they're going to say, because you don't have these security controls in place. Okay. Well, you can turn around. Now you've got a Delta buffer 150 because the business is going to buy insurance. Okay. That's, they buy insurance. So it's a very easy vehicle for people to get their heads around. So for 150 grand, well, what, what don't you have? Well, we don't have MFA, all right? Or you don't have, let's say MFA and DLP. Okay, just to name two, because I have really strong feelings about DLP. MFA and DLP. Well, we can roll out MFA, like, you know, contact your VAR, contact whoever, right? Or um, Microsoft directly, right? Hey, how much is MFA? Well, we could do Azure MFA since you guys moved up to 0365. Uh, and you can't be in a hybrid, by the way, if, if you're going to do this, because Azure MFA doesn't work with on-prem um, AD, but that's, that's a nuance. Anyways, MFA is $80,000. DLP is let's say, let's say DLP is $40,000. Okay. Now you can go to the, them and say, Hey, listen, it's gone up 150, but just give me 80. You save 70. Give me 80. That wasn't in my budget. Anyways, you had budgeted this for insurance. Give me 80 and I will put in MFA over like a two month period or whatever. We'll tell the insurance company that we've got a plan in place. We're executing on. They will likely accept that um, they'll want validation in two months that you've done that or they'll adjust the premium. But you can now get A, extra budget that you weren't expecting. B, reduce your risk to your organization because you're implementing a wonderful control in MFA. And C, you've, you've won because you've just saved 70 grand for the business, right? High five for us, right? So we've got, we win all around. Now you've got a little bit of a pain point to your end user community because you're gonna be rolling out MFA wicked fast. But if you've been doing your security awareness education program that we talk about, they already use MFA for themselves, for their personal email and financials because they know that the value of protecting their own assets. So when you roll out MFA, boom, they're like, oh, this is, this is normal. This is no big deal. I already have the app on my phone. Okay, this is why I'm always talking about these different pieces of the program because they will have an opportunity to overlay with each other and you could start getting wins. Now, that's the, the TLDR on that. Now, why did I mention DLP and the DLP was 40 grand? Real quick. DLP, I think, is a terrible control. I don't think it's ever been implemented correctly at any organization. There's false positives galore. You end up taking resources off of projects and putting them on DLP for this like never-ending quest of tuning and configuration. I've literally never seen it work correctly. Um, and, it, and so the reason I bring it up is because, yeah, it would be 40 grand and maybe you save a little bit. Uh, but DLP, you're, you're going to end up like... It, you guys ever seen the never-ending story when... Um, Atreyu goes into like the mud with his horse, uh, like Satar or whatever his name was, the horse. And then like the horse is sinking, like that horse is trying to implement DLP. That's what that's happening right there. I know it looks like they're just trying to, uh, cross a quagmire to get somewhere, but in reality, that horse is implementing DLP, right? And Atreyu is like the PM and the PMs and the, the Atreyu is like, come on horse, let's go. And the horse is like, DLP, right? And then Atreyu gets out and the horse sinks. Like that's DLP, perfectly explained. All right, so just just know that it's not like just a simple line item one to one. Okay, it's not a one to one. You can't say like, oh, DLP is forty grand. Uh, you know, let let's let's get that and still because I said seventy or eighty for for uh, MFA and then you could do forty for DLP. So you're still coming under that hundred and fifty threshold. So. I guess the TLDR really was that you can use the insurance delta in order to find budget and to, to, to implement your programs. You, you do have to deliver on it though. If you ask for that money and you get that money and then you don't deliver, yeah, <laughs> you might as well get your resume dusted up because you, you, you are, you, you've, you've spent a lot of political capital and you're not gonna, it's not gonna be good for you. Cash developer arrested for money laundering. The Dutch Fiscal Information and Investigation Service said Friday that they have arrested an individual suspected of being a developer of the U.S.-sanctioned Tornado Cash crypto mixing service. 29-year-old Alexei Pertsev was arrested in Amsterdam under suspicion of concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering through the crypto mixing service. The Dutch agency added that multiple arrests are not ruled out. According to the U.S. Treasury, Tornado Cash has been used to launder more than $7 billion worth of virtual currency since 2019. Anonymous poop gift. <laughs> oh, the next story sounds fun. 
Okay, so listen to this. Suspected developer of crypto mixer cash arrested. Now, this is interesting. Um, okay, so two things. One, we talked about this last week. Okay, so Tornado, Tornado, the mixing cash service, is on the U.S. sanctions list. Now, I did watch, so CoffeeZilla, some of you know I really like CoffeeZilla on YouTube. He does really, really good stuff. So if you're not familiar with him and you're interested in like the crypto space, um, and looking at it from kind of like a forensics perspective and crime perspective, CoffeeZilla, I can't, I can't recommend enough. Definitely worth checking out. He did a video on Tornado Cash um, yesterday that I watched last night when I got home um, <laughs> from Vegas, which, by the way, just as a quick aside, just to tell you how my day was. So I, I do this horrible day of travel, right? I finally get home you know, hey, you know, kids, family, love it, love it, like hugs, kisses, everything's around, get unpacked, decompress, everything, finally, it's like 10.30 or, or no, it wasn't even that late, whatever it is, but like, I'm going to have a beer, like just to like, all right, I got to like, I got to, I like pour beer, put it on uh, the table, like sit down and the beer knocks over and like just pours everywhere. And this was like a special beer I had brought back from Massachusetts. I did clean it up, obviously, but then, like, th like I was like, okay, Jesus. So then I put the CoffeeZilla video on, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. But like that, that, that beer tipping over, like that encapsulates what my yesterday was uh, in its whole. Okay, he did a video on Tornado Cash. He talks about the idea of like why Tornado Cash happens. Yes, it's used for laundering money a lot, right? We watched uh, North Korea's Lazarus Group steal $600 million from the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge a couple months ago, and then all of a sudden you start seeing those transactions going through Tornado, right? So it's used for criminal uh, crypto money laundering, but there is a use case for it that I hadn't considered around privacy and protecting privacy. In the story last week where the US sanctioned him, I was like, who cares? Like, who cares? You can use it from anywhere. I've actually come to realize that anyone that is like a U.S. business or a U.S. citizen that now uses Tornado Cash can be fined like six figures, right? So basically, Tornado is radioactive to U.S. citizens and businesses, okay? That's the, the takeaway there. Now, I get it. I am surprised that the Dutch government's arresting um, the developer here because the Tornado Cash does have practical applications from a privacy perspective. Uh, Europe is huge on privacy. Um, I don't know how the Dutch stand in the world of privacy, but you know, it's it kind of, it's kind of interesting. Now this guy concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering. I mean, that is what tornado does. It's just, I didn't really think of the tornado developer team as like, it operating and hiding, right? Like it's a legit business with a legit privacy business case to be made. So we'll have to see this one. It would be interesting um, what this, why this individual got arrested specifically. Um, but the, the, it's, the takeaway is uh, these mixing services are going to start falling down. And Tornado was the largest one. Again, this is just one of those indicators where we're starting to see a tightening from a regulatory and legislative perspective of the crypto markets. Crypto, NFT, the metaverse, all that stuff, dude, it's all Wild West. There is no regulation. There is no law. There's Who's the authority in the metaverse, right? It, it's, it's big tech, right? So crypto and all these things, they, they don't really align to geopolitical boundaries and, and saying like, oh, this crypto is like under Dutch control. So... But this, the, you know, this is the beginning. This is the beginning. Like to me, yeah, this is an interesting story because it's tornado cash. But what it means to me is it's a tip that this is going to start happening with those bigger services in order to get transparency and visibility, which, by the way, is the whole point to decentralized finance, right? It was for privacy. It was to not be regulated by the government. But can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't, you can't demand deregulation and decentralization. And then when your money gets stolen demand that law enforcement get involved. Site hacked. Express, a prank web service that lets you send a box of feces along with personalized messages to friends and enemies has been breached after a customer spotted a vulnerability. Rather than responsibly reporting the issue, the customer, who is the well-known threat actor Pom Pom Purin, exploited the bug and downloaded the entire customer database. Pompom Purin then entered the database on a hacking forum, exposing the angry and colorful personal messages sent by customers along with their gifts.
Initially, Pom Pom Purin visited the prank site to send a token of appreciation to cybersecurity researcher Vinny Troya, with whom the hacker has had a long-standing feud, but the hacker then discovered the website was vulnerable to SQL injection. And that... Yeah, I mean, I guess that just goes to show you, like... First of all, um, I don't know if anyone knew about this website. This is insane. Um, Express. You know what I mean? That's that's uh, that's something else. Um, so that's interesting. I do think it's funny that this threat actor was going to use this service in order to deliver a package to somebody he was having a feud with, and then and then hacks the service and then uh, dumps the data that they were able to pull, which just goes to show you, um, you know, security researchers, if you want to call them that, black hat actors, if you want to call them that, like what whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Like no system is safe, right? And you know, the curious, the technically inclined, they they will, you know, like you're at a site buying something, but you're waiting for like the page to load. You know, maybe you just pop open the source code. Maybe you just take a look. Maybe you just point your tools at them because you got your tools running anyways. Um, it, interesting, interesting. Um, it would be interesting to see like those uh, colorful messages that people included with the feces that they're sending. Um, obviously very gross, but... Um, to me, this, this is like, this is a water cooler talk. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's nothing to do here. It's, it's a vulnerable web app. It, that's all. It was a vulnerable web app and it got breached. Like no, no big deal. The, the real story here is like what the service is and, um, and that's it. That's why, that's why it's, uh, entertaining from a news perspective. All right, guys, where's my thing? Here we are. So that's going to do it. I did run a few minutes late. I did run a few minutes late, guys. Uh, I appreciate you granting me some grace uh, coming back after Black Hat DEFCON. Uh, there's always, you know, a little bit of rust that needs to be knocked off. Um, I will say this, guys. Um, the new computer is here. The new rig. It's, it's right on the other side of here. Obviously, I didn't have time to set it up last night. I was really beat up um, from my day of travel. But I am super excited to get this going. I've got a ton of work today to do. Uh, really quick, some of you know I was on a panel for um, regarding the metaverse. There was some audio issues. I know some of you tuned in for the live stream. They did it in two takes, if you will. The second take was recorded offline. Uh, I have a copy of that data. Um, I have to record like a little intro to explain like why, why the video starts like mid-sentence. Uh, but I'm going to record that little video, attach it to the recording... And then I'm going to publish it on Simply Cyber today as a produced video. I'm going to be get back, getting back into produced video content as well, which I'm super excited about. I actually am teaming with a group out of Vancouver uh, who are going to be helping me with the B-roll edits and um, you know just all the things that have been that take my time that I frankly just don't have time for anymore. Uh, so super excited about that for my West Coast people. Hey, I feel ya. I, I did 5 a.m. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week. Um, I feel ya. I, I, I got you. Uh, I, I, hey, Team Live, Team Replay, uh, we're here for you in that, whichever way you can consume it. Poner Joe, good to see you uh, in the lives here. Justin Gold, always nice. Leonardo. Uh, BSEC, my man. Hey, James McQuiggan, new member of the Simply Cyber community. Uh, great to have met you at Black Hat and formed uh, a relationship and a, and a um, friendship with you. Definitely love it, guys. Hey, I say it all the time. Today's no different. If you got value out of here, yeah, you know, smashing the like and, and all that is cool. But what I would really appreciate is you share the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing with people that you think would get value. So practitioners, people looking, people who are studying for certs, people about to transition out of the military and thinking about a cyber career. I'm telling you guys, this is fun. This is easy. But this this is real value. Like we're talking about what is going on in our industry and how, like, I think terminology is important to understand. Context is important to understand. Like for the ransomware stuff, you might think, oh my God, ransomware, this is something else. But in reality, we live this every day. So we know ransomware is just a constant threat. Yeah, the names change, the techniques change, the evolution, all this stuff. But it's the same thing, right? And remote access, who knows? If there's a remote access story, maybe I lose my mind. Either way. I think it's it's really important uh, to share this, guys. I really appreciate all of you. We will be back tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, 8 a.m. Just, just a reminder, guys. Um, I start teaching at the Citadel next week um, on Thursday. So the Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be moving to 10 a.m. Eastern. 
West Coast people got to love that. But uh, there will be a little disruption adjustment in the stream schedule for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Uh, this starts next Thursday, August 25th. So I'll just tell you guys every day, uh, basic, you know, basic communication plan. Start notifying, start notifying. And then, you know, it, it, if it's anything like reality, I'll do this all the way up to the 25th. And then on the 25th, many of you will log in at 8 a.m. and then start <laughs> start complaining about me not being here. Um you know, that's just, it's just classic. We, we see it all the time when you're rolling out something like MFA. Two weeks till MFA, one week till MFA, three days till MFA. MFA's here. Then people are like, why can't I log in? IT desk, tickets explode, etc. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thank you so much. Be sure, if, if you want, you can catch this podcast on your audio podcast, The Choice, right after this is done. It gets ripped down and pushed up to the Simply Cyber Audio so you can get it on uh, you know, Stitcher, uh, Apple, Spotify, all those things. Uh, if you'd like to consume it in that fashion, be good, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Cheers.